Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a guy named Rick Cromar on the show who was referred to me by a mutual friend, the one and only the great Doug Wing. And um, I'm excited to hear this guy's story. I've been told it's pretty interesting. So number one, share this out. Share this out with all of your friends and your family so we can all be inspired today by Rick. Hang on. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let me bring Rick on. Rick, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to have you here. I was texting Doug this morning because he's in Arizona, so he's three hours different from where I am. I said, wake up and get on the show, dude. <laughs> he's probably up early. He's up super early. I don't know how he does it. But so, Rick... Um, you know, I started this, I guess uh, it's been f about four years ago, and um, it was to help people get unstuck in life. That's That was the purpose behind starting this show. And um, from what I've heard, you've been stuck a couple of times in life. So um, I'm very interested in hearing your story, but why don't you start with telling everybody where you were born and raised? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, currently live in Bountiful, Utah. Um, married uh, with my beautiful wife of 15 plus years now. We have four kids. We're a combined family. Um, so she had two, I had one, and we had one together. So the yours, mine, and ours. Nice. Now, you said Bountiful? Bountiful. It's just north of Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be out there in a couple of weeks. Well, let's come visit. <laughs> well, Doug's having a book signing in Springville, so oh, we're I'll have to yeah. my way down that way then. Yeah, is it far from? Is that far from where? It's about an hour south from oh. where I'm at. Oh, okay. Utah's beautiful, man. I've, I've, uh, when we lived in Vegas, we used to go to Utah all the time to Zion, and and oh my goodness, so beautiful out there. So, so tell me what it was like for you growing up in Utah and, and you said in Salt Lake. Yeah. You know, it was, it's, Utah's an incredible place, an incredible place to live. And uh, the more I travel throughout all the world, you know, I've been fortunate to do a lot of travel. Um, I always come to the conclusion that, man, I can't wait get back, to get back to Utah. And there's just something about it that, that just feels like home. There's so much to do. Um, and, but yeah, Utah is a great place. It was a great place growing up. Uh, of course it does come with its challenges, uh, just because there is what they call a bit of a bubble, right? A lot, the majority of folks, uh, here in Utah are of the, uh, LDS religion, you know, church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. Um, yeah. but in, in, and of it, that of itself, it's still an incredible place to, to raise a family. Sure. I mean, not everybody's LDS there, but there it's, it's a huge, huge percentage. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so growing up as a kid, I mean, what, what did you, did you, um, did you get in any trouble as a kid or, or was it just a leave it to beaver kind of storybook life? You know, my childhood is interesting. I had incredible family, incredible parents, um, but we, we want to talk about let's be real. Right. And so in being real, um, you know, there was a, a part of our childhood that was really difficult. Um, we grew up with a, a suicidal mom. She's still around today. But that caused a lot of pain in, in the home. Right. We didn't want to have yeah. friends come over uh, to hang out at our house. We didn't want them to see, you know, that side of things. And so, you know, growing up with with that type of, I guess you could even call it trauma in the home was, it was really difficult. Mm. 
Um, when you say, I mean, did, what, did your, so your mom attempted or she just threatened to attempt? No, she, she actually attempted. Um, she, you know, she, she, she went through sexual harassment at work. It was all over the news, her, her story um, wow. with, with the type of sexual harassment that she went through. Um, and, and it was, it was something that was really painful for her because she really loved what she did. And, and, and that just obviously carried into the home. Um, but there's some really beautiful miracles that happened. Um, you know, I do, I always like to tie in the reality of that as well. Um, you know, one of the most amazing stories that I have when it comes to my mom and, and dealing with that situation, I remember sitting in seminary class. So here in Utah, uh, because, uh, you know, the, good majority of the population is of the LDS faith. And I, I pertain to that religion. Um, and we would have these classes, seminary classes. And I remember in seminary class, I was sitting there and had this overwhelming, overwhelming feeling come over me that I needed to get up and leave and, and go home. And I distinctly remember standing up, grabbing my backpack, walking out of class. I walked about a mile home, maybe a little bit further Wow. And I remember walking into the house and the phone rang and I was walking down the stairs to where my parents' bedroom was. And I was walking down the hall. And as the phone was ringing, simultaneously as I'm walking down the hall, I see my dad roll off my roll off the bed. He was he was actually holding my mom down on the bed and he rolls off the bed, answers the phone. My mom turns the other way. My dad had a knife collection on his on their on their nightstand and she grabs one of the knives and literally, as I'm walking in the bedroom door, I grab her hand. Oh, my God. Stopped her from hurting herself. And how and, old were you? Uh, senior in high school. I was my senior Jeez. year in high school. You know, and, and, it, and, and it was prior to that that, you know, we grew up with a lot of that. Um, and there was a lot of pain in that. Now, my mom, you know, she's still around today. She still struggles with a lot of these thoughts. Um, but she's she's been doing a lot better. And. Wow. Um, but yeah, that, you know, those are, those are some of the trials that we had to face as kids. So you, I mean, I'm assuming you graduated from high school then. Yep. Okay. So graduated from high school, uh, also common among the LDS faith is, you know, if, if you're a young man around the age of 18, 19 years old, a lot of us will go on a mission. Uh, I got called to serve a mission for my church in Columbia, South America. So I did that for two years, went down there, had some crazy, amazing experiences as a young man in a third world country. It was at the end of the Pablo Escobar days. So it was still hot in a lot of the zones that I was in. And we had to. So, like, we're going to. Uh, okay. She didn't teach us Spanish growing up because we lived in an area where she just she just didn't want us to get made fun of growing up. And so she didn't teach us Spanish. So I went down there. Oh, my God. Not knowing anything. Right. Wow. So you go to Colombia, Not knowing Spanish. And you and it's a hotbed really uh -huh. for for I mean, that's a it's a that's a back in the Pablo Escobar days, that was, um, yeah. So most you're, dangerous, you're most dangerous country in the world at that time. So, well, I find it, um, interesting. You're, 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 you're literally selling religion door to door. <laughs> I mean, that's sales, literally, yeah. Sales my entire life. Absolutely. Like juxtapose that to uh, but but so you're doing this in a spanish-speaking country and you don't speak spanish I don't speak spanish how did you do that thrown in right like like you know thrown to the wolves and one of the things that really helped was back in in that time the missionaries were required to memorize the missionary discussions and that's that's no longer something that they do today but that is something that absolutely made me learn the language and it just accelerated my ability to, to speak fluently um, in their language. And so I love the Spanish language. I, I think I was fluent. It took me about three months and I became oh fairly gosh. fluent. Wow. So, but, but go back to the first, like, I don't know, 30 days there. And are, are you literally, you're like, Dropped off and you, or well, I don't want to say dropped off. I don't know if that's the, but, and you're going door to door, right? That's what you yeah, do. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what you do. So, I mean, yeah, it was literally pretty much dropped off. They pick you up at the airport. They take you to the mission home. You're there for maybe a day, day and a half. And then they say, hey, here's where you're going. I got a ticket. They put me on this bus, this eight-hour bus ride. I'm going to someplace I've obviously never been before. I arrive, oh. my, my mission companion, so they pair you with another missionary, right? And so my companion picks me up at, at this bus station, and we go into one of the most rural barrios of Medellin. Right. And we're again, it's it's still pretty hot. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's hot. Really we're not talking hot as in the temperature, although no, I'm sure it was... hot as in dangerous hot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> drug lords, guns, people getting shot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so I would say the first 30 days, you know, you're there, your your mission companion is kind of taking lead. Um, you're, you're sitting there. It's your turn to read. You're you're trying to read through. The, at first, you're just reading through the discussions, wow. you know, being able to pronunciate correctly and hoping that they understand what you're trying to say and share and feel. And so I was an emotional mess, frankly, those first 60 days, just trying to share my feelings and thoughts and get that message out. Right. But, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty amazing, though. I mean, I I'm one for, you know, I love adventure. I love to this day. Um, just the thrill of stuff like that. That's cool. <laughs> but comma, but <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, I mean, you're, so you're, I've, I've knocked on thousands, thousands and thousands of doors in sales. I've never done it in a third world country. Is it, is it considered a third world country? A yes. third world country where drug lords reign and a lot, tremendous amount of violence, and you just go out and you're knocking on doors. Are you are you packing at least? You carrying a gun? No, Dude, no, right. As as missionaries, you are there to serve and love and and open up doors and share your feelings and be vulnerable. Um, I mean. It was pretty. It was pretty intense, though. I have some pretty crazy stories throughout my two-year period of, of knocking doors. And you know, I, ha I had an instance um, where this was kind of one of the crazy ones where we knocked on a door, and this I would say he was in his 80s. Uh, opened up the door with a shotgun, literally pointed at our at our face, and just with the shotgun pointed at my face. I say, we're missionaries, you know, from the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And we have a beautiful message we'd like to share with you. Can we come in? <laughs> and he lets down the van and he lets us in and we go Shut in. Shut up. He let you in. Let us in and we go in and we're sitting there sharing the gospel with a guy that had previously had a, a gun pointed at our heads. And it was, and we, and we did, and we were able to share this, you know, this beautiful message with him and his, his wife. And, and, and oh my gosh. Dude, you're anointed then. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. I guess because I can't get enough. I've been going back uh, to Columbia, South America every single year since I finished the mission. That was over 22 years ago. Oh my and God. I, made a, I made a promise at the end of my mission or throughout my mission, right? Members of the church would say, you know, people don't come back. They never come back. We never see you guys anymore. And I said, I promise that I will go back. I will come back. And I've been able to fulfill on that promise for the last 22 plus years. In fact, part of my my proposal to my current wife, um, and it, you can validate this with her later, and she'll tell you the book. But part of my proposal, I says, I says I have one condition, and she says, "What's that?" I says, "I get to go back to visit the people of Columbia, South America, every year, wow. whether you go with me or not. I get to go, and and we'll get married." And, and she says, okay, well, I have one condition. And I said, well, what's that? And she says, then I get to go to Disneyland every year. And I said, <laughs> so wow. that was kind of our agreement. Wow. Well, we have a legend. Ben Gay third is a legend. And he worked with Napoleon Hill and Zig Ziglar. Wow. He's wow, a, I love all those guys. Oh, he's an, he's a sales trainer genius so uh, he said that's why ldsers make such great salespeople, right i know yeah, it's true i've never hired an ldser i'm gonna start looking in that community so <laughs> so so you know i think that 
so you, I mean, when you go back, are you, are you going out knocking on doors? I do. I, I go back and I visit every single what? member that I ever met during my mission, my two-year mission. And I try and find these people every time I go back and go inside their home and share a quick message. Um, or, or we do a, a, Hey, let's get everybody together and, and meet at this house and let's have a little bit of a party and just kind of have some fun, have some food. Wow. But I do that every single year. It usually takes about two weeks. Um, it's nonstop, by the way, you can imagine I go from the very top of Columbia all the way down to the very bottom, visiting hundreds of homes. And so oh some homes God. I only have about five or 10 minutes to visit them really quickly. But let me tell you that, you know, it, it fills my cup is what it does. Right. Yeah. And and sometimes when I'm going through a rough time here, I'll just turn to my wife and here's how cool my wife is. I'll turn to my wife and it could be the day before. And I'll say, sweetie, I need to go. I need to go think. I need to go reconnect with myself. I need to go. And I'm thinking of leaving tomorrow. And she just says, you know what? You go do you. I love you. And, and, and she knows you're talking about going to Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Okay. So, so you go and you do two years of, um, on a mission in, in, in a third world country, knocking on doors, selling religion. Are you looking for a job by chance right now? <laughs> so I've been in sales. I've been in sales for <laughs> the entire time. Um, I'm sure you have. I've got uh, three degrees. I have my associate's degree in Spanish language and literature. I have a, a, a bachelor's degree in sales and sales management. And then I, I just actually completed my master's degree uh, in February of this year and wow. did that one in management and leadership. But I have been You're, in sales. you're such an underachiever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, so sales has been, you know, where I've, I've been able to provide for myself and my family my entire life. That's incredible. So, so you, um, so you get back from the mission. Um, I know it's two years and here's Doug wings watching, by the way, I don't know. If well, you've Doug. Seen he, he, <laughs> you know, him a plug really quick. If you guys haven't purchased the book giant success by Doug wing, you're missing out. That book literally brought me to tears. I couldn't put it down. And I read the whole thing in about three hours. But it's I, I have a connection with the Wings. I actually worked for the Wings uh, for about a year and a half. It, and, and I was going through a really difficult period, actually. Uh, you know, We were living in Bountiful. They're headquartered in Springville. It's an hour drive. But back then, it was almost a three-hour drive because of traffic. And they were doing construction on the freeways. And, and, I, had to, and I had to leave uh, for, for personal reasons. But I, I sure love the Wings. And I sure love what I did there at Little Giant Ladder. You know, I, 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 even though it was a, a short year and a half, I for sure made an impact. I mean, I sold the heck out of those ladders and I definitely tried to sell them with the same passion and love that Halloween did that you read about in that story. And it's, it was such a fun sale. I mean, you're out there, all, you know, all five foot five of me, I'm sitting at the end of a Costco aisle, flipping the ladder around, you know, doing my thing. And, you know, I'm filling the aisles. The aisles are filled with people at Costco. I would have a little mic and I would do some fun stuff. And man, I, I tell wow. you, it was, it was such a good time. I, you know, I owned two or three little giants, two, I think, before I met Doug. Um, and it just was like a really awesome ladder is all it meant to me at the time, right? I've got the one that extends to 18 feet or whatever. I don't know. And it's, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's heavy, but it's unbelievable. Like it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Safest this ladder, ladder you'll ever be on right right and i've been i've i've extended it what's it, it what's it called when it's like um huh into an a-frame yeah and i and i've gone up way 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 up on uh, to change a light bulb on our front porch and i'm and i felt completely safe it was it's an unbelievable ladder anyway um so so you did you work there when hal was still there I, I did, and I was, oh. I was fortunate enough to to get to meet Hal before he passed, and Hal inspired me. You know, Hal, uh, I, I grew up probably with a very similar upbringing as Hal. Uh, you know, my grandpa instilled in me, you know, you wear a suit to, to work every day, and I think I was probably one of the only sales guys that 
literally showed up to work every day in a suit. And I think that turned some heads with Hal and Doug and Art. And, um, wow. and, and I was able to make an impact there as well, just, just through this kind of that similar upbringing that Hal had. So you come back from your mission. What, what happened when you got back? There's my wife on here. Hal inspired everyone. She told Doug, she goes, when I, when I die and I get to heaven, one of the first people I want to meet is Hal. <laughs> she said she's, she's so inspired by him. Um, so you come back from your mission. Where, what did you do from there? I mean, you got into sales. What, what happened then? Yeah. So really crazy, interesting story. So I went to, I, I got enrolled in school and went to Salt Lake Community College for a little bit. Okay. And then I, I, you know, got a girlfriend and that didn't work out. And I just kind of feel like, man, what am I doing with my life? I don't know what I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I literally packed up my, I had a, a, uh, Chevy blazer. And it, I went home and I packed up all my stuff in the back and I pulled my parents aside and I said, Hey mom, dad, um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I just, I just need to go. I need to go grow up. And they took it personal. They thought they had done something wrong and I had to assure them, you know, that everything was fine, that I love them. And as you can imagine through all the other stuff that you'd went through, through our childhood with all those other experiences. And, um, and then I set my way. I got in the car and, and went on the way. And I thought, well, I'm going to maybe go up the coast, go up the California coast, maybe go up Washington, Oregon, just see where I end up. I had nothing to my name. I had a credit card with, I think, a $5,000 limit on it and literally nothing else. And I remember I got a phone call from one of my uh, mission companions, actually. And he called me as I was driving probably somewhere south of maybe Nephi on my way to Las Vegas. And he says, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? And I said, no, I'm, I kind of told him the story. And he goes, promise me that you will uh, stop in Las Vegas and check out the Red Rock Singles Award uh, on your way through. I said, cool, I, I'll, I'll do that. So I went through, got to Las Vegas. I slept in my car, showered in a, in a KOA, got dressed in a, in a grocery store parking lot, walked wow. into to, to that church, to that ward. And at the time... Um, it, it was the largest singles ward for the LDS church. They had like over a thousand singles in that ward. So anyway, I go in there, 10 sacrament meeting at the end of sacrament meeting, the Bishop stands up and he says, those of you that are new, please stay here for a little bit. So we stay and there's probably a good 50 or so of us that are new uh, just that day. Well, I was just visiting, right? I mean, I was literally just passing through and, yeah. the, and the Bishop literally calls me out, points to me and he says, what's your story? And I kind of said, well, I just left my home, told my parents I'm leaving. I'm headed to go grow up. I'm probably going up the coast somewhere. My buddy told me to stop here. I promised that I would. So I did. And he goes, wow, that's pretty spontaneous. You are the new coach, uh, uh, co-chair director for the activities committee. <laughs> You're like, what part of the I'm headed up the coast did you miss, dude? Right. So <laughs> I leave that. I leave that, meaning some random guy walks up to me and says, you're welcome to stay at my home until you get a job. Boom. So, so I have this place to stay. I go out the very next day. I get a job uh, at 24-hour fitness as an enrollment counselor uh, and did that for about a week. And then like three days later, uh, there's a, a choir practice. So we're at choir and I'm singing and the guy next to me just keeps looking at me, He's looking at me. So then we get done with choir and he turns to me and he goes, bro, you've got a killer voice. You've got to come sing with like half of us guys over here. We sing at the Venetian hotel where the gondoliers at the Venetian hotel. He goes, I've got a recording studio in my basement. Why don't you come over tomorrow? We'll do a little, we'll record a little piece. We'll send it in and you should totally be singing with us. What? So I did, I went in, submitted a little recording piece. And then I got a call from the Venetian, uh, you know, uh, agency that, that handles all their talent. And they said, Hey, uh, we want to have you come sing. So, so from there I became a gondolier and I used to row the gondolas and serenade families. I'm probably in a lot of your family books. Maybe <laughs> I, I, we lived in Vegas for 13 months. I love the Venetian. It's beautiful. So that wow. was just a, a fun little gig, you know, that I did on and off for about four years. Um, you know, I got married in 2003 and, um, 
And so on and off, I would go back and forth to Las Vegas and, and sing. People can't really see this picture of you down here where it says special guest, but you're sitting at a piano. So you play piano too. Yeah. So I'm a self-taught pianist. I can't read music, um, but I'm also a composer. In fact, I just released my first album like three or four weeks ago. And uh, so if you just search Richard Cromar, your favorite platform, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music. Uh, you can hear my my latest album. It's called what's Creative. The, what's the genre? Creative Lullaby. It's kind of like just Zen, Zen music, wow. classical type of music. Uh, but it's all they're all my my compositions. What, dude? That's incredible. So, so okay. Let's back up for a minute. You're, you, did you ever did you ever make it up the coast? Never made it up the coast. <laughs> so while I was in Vegas, I fell in love with my you know my 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 first wife. Um, we had met and uh, and then I ended up going back home and she ended up looking me up and uh, and then we had gotten married and we had a little girl together um, and then uh, of course you know two and a half years later we went through a divorce went through that. Uh, that was difficult, very difficult time for me because I never thought I would ever, you know, get a divorce, especially yeah. with my upbringing and the things that I believe. And and so that was a really difficult, really difficult time for me. Um, and then I was like, oh, I'm never getting married again, you know. And then a year later, well, within a year later, I, you know, um, online dating kind of came out. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this again, I want to I want to meet somebody that has experienced maybe some of the things I've experienced and, and can relate. And, you yeah. know, you really can't do that going out to a bar or anything like that. And so right. back then it was still taboo to be, you know, uh, finding somebody online, but I threw myself out there through an LDS website and uh, connected. And, and my wife actually, she liked my, she liked my profile first. And <laughs> so, um, so we laughed wow. about that. And from there we, uh, we were dating. Uh, we dated probably about a week. So we met on January 9th, 2007, and we were married a month later, February 9th, 2007. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then you we've been together for 15 plus years. No. You've been together how long? 15 plus years. I'm a sales closer. Wow. So, you know, yeah, been... right. So, so you, uh, I, I want to go back to Vegas though. So you're, you're you're doing the gondola thing at the at the Venetian hotel where you're what's it called rowing the boat <laughs> i don't know what it's called yeah 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 and, and, and singing and singing that's insane i didn't I, you know you see the you see those guys but you don't really think like wow that's his job like i, I it's never occurred to me i i don't know why yeah, you know, it's some some may get a career. I actually was just there a couple of weeks ago and saw a couple of guys that were still there from when I was there, you know, oh a long time ago. Um, wow. And uh, but I, for me, it just wouldn't be something that would provide right for a family. It was a fun, fun gig for a young guy for myself. Yeah. But I think past that, you know, there, there's yeah, it wasn't really sustainable for me. at least. So what was next for you then as far as a career path? Yeah, so really interesting uh, career path, kind of crazy. So when I had gotten married uh, the first time, um, you know, this went after 9-11 hit and everybody's kind of in that mode of, yeah, I want to go and serve my country. And so I actually joined the Air Force um, and, you know, the, the, the job, I guess you could say, that I had selected um, in fact, it's so classified that I, I can't even talk about it. I can't even talk about what I was going to do. But I was interviewed by the Secret Service. Um, and I was going to be able to do some pretty cool stuff for our country. But when I got down to Lackland Air Force Base, we you know, got into it. I was, I was the element leader for our group. I was crushing it, having a great time. And then we got to preparation for Warrior Week. And they would, you know, wake us up super early in the morning and run us really hard. And I just, I kept fainting and fainting and fainting. And so they, they, they threw me in the hospital for like two weeks. They put like eight internal medicine doctors on me. I couldn't figure out, you know, what's wrong. They would wake me up at random hours of the night, do all sorts of tests 
on me and they just couldn't figure it out. And so they actually wow. ended up, they actually ended up discharging me and sending me home. It's something that I didn't want to do because, you know, I was looking forward to what I was supposed to be doing. And so that was really, really difficult. Right. So here I am another, you know, thing. And um, I get home. I was super, super depressed from that. So actually I went back to the Venetian and used that kind of like as a Zen moment for me yeah. to regroup myself. Right. Cause really all I'm doing is rowing and singing and making other people happy. Right. Right. And, right. And when you serve other people and make other people happy, it tends to fill your cup. Right. Amen. So, so did that. And then I was like, what am I going to do? And um, then I actually ended up um, jumping into um, getting my insurance licenses, kind of going through that process. Simultaneously, I was uh, I got a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car as a manager and training program, did that for about a year. And then that's when I went through right after that went through my divorce. OK, yeah. So, so you, and you, and you were working in enterprise. I did. I did the enterprise manager and training program. It was a, it was a wonderful program, but then I went through my divorce and I just couldn't think straight. Yeah. Just all the different trials that came from that. And I just had to yeah. just disappear, you know? And yeah. so I, we just bought our home too. It was, and, and we had to sell that to, you know, it was just one of those nightmare situations where everything just kind of yeah. unraveled and fell apart really fast. So what did you do as far as a job or did you, did you so have actually, a job? I went back into my parents' home, fortunately went, you know, moved into their basement for, for about a year. And then um, once I started to kind of rebuild my confidence and put myself back out there that then I got a job traveling all over, all over the United States, Australia, New Zealand uh, for a, um, an, an internet software company and did that for, gosh, just shy of three years. And then the economy back in 08, 09, right, kind of took a hit, yep. which yep. affected that business. And so then I was kind of looking for a side job just as a filler. And then yep. that's when I found the, um, the application for Little Giant Ladder in online somewhere. And I went in, interviewed for it, um, and basically got offered a job the same day um, wow. and, and then from there, the rest was history because I was like, this is cool. Right. Like yeah. kind of like woman, I'm a showman. I'm an entertainer. I love to sing. Plus you're out there flipping the ladder around. I was like, this couldn't be a more perfect fit. Right. Wow. And so I did that, joined the, the little giant ladder team, uh, did that for about a year and a half. Um, and then I ended up, uh, leaving them and going and staying in the direct consumer space, went over to another company called little, uh, called, uh, Traeger grills. A lot of you guys have Traegers in your home. So I was yeah. actually a big, big part of uh, Traeger's expansion, why they are where they're at today. Um, Traeger, you know, um, was a, you know, a 25 year old company for quite some time, beautiful product. And, uh, and then they hired me to be their head of talent. And so I was actually a, a big part of growing their entire national sales force, it also wow. became a corporate trainer, national trainer. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Like that, that gig was, was super, super intense. Um, and then of course, uh, you know, their new CEO came in, purchased that. And I, I left the same week that the new CEO came in and purchased that and then left there and then went to another, uh, direct consumer company, same thing, head of talent, um, helped build their entire national sales force, did that for, you know, about a year and a half. And so I've been with a lot of startups actually. Yeah. And currently, um, I'm, I'm with a company called LiveView Technologies, and we provide all the mobile surveillance for all the big, big retailers out there. You've probably seen our stuff in some of the parking lots out there, the little trailers with the strobe lights flashing at night. Yeah. We're a software company, so we actually write all the software technology behind the hardware components. And so yeah, you guys, you guys ended my career as a as a burglar, so thank you for oh, that. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen that. So, so, so sales is in your blood. Sales is in my blood. I absolutely love it. I'm currently in the channel side right now, uh, working with our channel partners and building out our channel program. Um, and funny enough, I'm also working on a big project down in Colombia, South America with their government. So having those ties and, and 
you know, keeping those relationships alive over the last 20 plus years has, has really kind of paid off. And so I've been working on this project with with the government of Medellin for the last year, and we're getting really close to, to having something. So, And that's with the company you're with, or it's a different that's with the company that I'm with right now? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's very cool, dude. And Traeger is, is that T-R-A-E-G-E-R? Is that how, is that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen that. I don't, I don't own one, but I've seen it for sure. So, so let me ask you this. I mean, along your journey, I mean, you mentioned living in your car. Um, I, I, was that just the one time you lived in your car or was it? Oh, so after I went through my divorce, I again oh. went back to the Venetian to, um, to just kind of find myself again. And I had a, a little apartment because I had my little girl. I had a little girl with my first yeah. wife yeah. and we were splitting 50-50 custody. So I had my apartment, but I would go down to Las Vegas on the weeks that I didn't have her to provide for ourselves. Yeah. And on when I went down there, I clearly couldn't afford rent in two different places. And right. so when I would go down there for about six months. I lived homeless part time. And I would live in the back of my trailblazer. I would fold the seats down and I put a little sleeping bag back there and a pillow. And, and I would, uh, I had my you know, gym membership at 24 hour fitness and I would park in a parking lot, uh, at the 24 hour fitness near a, a light post. And I would, uh, crack the windows. It was still super, super hot. Uh, I was going to say I lived in Vegas. That's crazy probably a hundred degrees at night. And I would just lay there and I had, a, I did at that time, I did have a firearm uh, next to me. And, um, and then I would shower at the 24 hour fitness facility. And then I would put on my best face and go and entertain people. And then, and then on my weeks home, I would go back home to my little girl and take care of her. Wow. 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 Do you ever think back to those days and think, how did I, how did I survive that? You know, I, I don't. And, and it's because I, I'm such an optimistic person. I absolutely love like problem solving and just I, I live for creating things. I live for making it happen. You know, I, I, I don't have a victim mentality at all. In fact, one of the things that I actually need to work on is being more compassionate, having more empathy for people that aren't like me. Right. Uh, one of my one of my mentors actually called me out one time and he was like, not everybody's Rick Cromar. Right. And, and that really hit home to me and really was humbling because, um, you know, I, I, I tend to just really focus on the positive and, it, and in a very healthy way. But I also sometimes can be a little bit harsh with other people that claim the victim mentality because I just don't go there. I don't live in that space. You know what, dude, I, I'm with you a thousand percent. And I don't think you need to work on anything. I think they need to work on something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we just live in a crazy world, right? Where it's just like you, you can't make everybody happy and you're just not going to make everybody happy. I, I think that entitlement is is running rampant. And I, I what I love about you is, is you know what? We're, we're cut from a very similar cloth. Um, I, I don't think I would ever go to Columbia and knock on doors selling religion, but I never say never. Um, especially not even speaking Spanish. Like that's crazy, man. Like that. I just, I can't, I, I don't know how somebody does that, but it's, it's impressive as heck. So, so, you know, Doug talked about how wing being like, he'd called Doug at two o'clock in the morning go hey i've got an idea and doug's like i'm i'm sleeping what what do you what, you know and it, it sounds like you operate with the same level of intensity in life i do yeah i would say i'm very very similar in that way um you know but we you know this 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 uh podcast right it's about breaking through walls yeah and i have a really cool story i'd love to share it um I'd back love to hear it. before i came here um and back in when I was transitioning from one of the direct consumer spaces, there was this local uh, alarm company here in Utah. They had heard I was really successful in that space in the Costco, you know, Sam's Club uh, setting. And they wanted to bring me on to try and do the same thing with alarms. 
inside a Costco and Sam's Club setting. And so I was hired on as vice president of retail sales, was working for about three months, really hard on this whole project. And it was supposed to be a really, really big project and launch. And the night before we were supposed to fly out to Texas and, um, and launch this product in Sam's Clubs, uh, th there was a third party that actually had this relationship with Sam's Club, not the alarm company. They pulled the plug on the company the night before we we're supposed to fly out. And they, they had to pull me aside and say, we're sorry, we, we need to let you go because they pulled the plug. It was about two weeks before Christmas. And... Um, just really, really, really difficult news, right? Wow. And um, so I get this news. I'm devastated. Uh, we, we make it through through Christmas. And then I get a phone call from the a different alarm company that they went with. Mm. They called me up. They said, hey, we heard you're the guy. And so I said, well, yeah, let's, let's see. Let's chat. So I go down there. We chat. CEO falls in love with me. I fall in love with the CEO. And he's like, you're, you're definitely my guy. Um, I want to give you a better offer. I want to offer you, you'll be president of retail and you're going to have, you know, this much equity, the, all these different things, right? Everything that you could dream of. And uh, he says, but we need to run your um, non-compete work paperwork that you signed with the other alarm company just to make sure we don't have any issues. Well, really non-competes don't stand the leg, especially here in Utah. But they then, you know, he says, hey, look, go hang out with the guys. Uh, I was out there for about three or four hours. And I was like, man, this is taking a long time. Mm. I remember walking by his office and he was just running his hands through his hair. I'm like, uh. this is why I don't have hair people. And, so, <laughs> yeah. and I says, this is about me, isn't it? And he says, yeah, I'm sorry. The, the level of non-compete that you signed and, and the, the position that you were going to hold there. Um, we could lose everything. I'm sorry. We, we just, we can't. He says, but what we could do is let them release you. So why don't you call them up and wow. um, see if they'll let you go. Yeah. And so I did, I called them up and um, it was funny because I call him and, and he says, uh, interesting that you called because we just let go of our entire internal uh, sales department, and we would actually like to have you come in and, and build that, if that's something that you're interested in. And I said, well, I'm, I'm really good at this direct consumer space stuff, though. Yeah. I'm flattered, but this is what I'd really like to do. And he's like, okay, well, you know, we got to do a, an, an emergency call with, you know, Goldman Sachs and whoever their, you know, board of directors and all these things. Calls so me this back. is a big, big alarm this, company. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. So he calls me back and he says, they don't care about, and we, they offered, you know, hey, we'll, we'll pay you back what you guys had paid Rick and the initial three month salary that you guys lost because we pulled the, you know, we pulled the plug yeah. on thing. And they said, we don't care about the money. We don't care about all that. We are going to sue their butts off. And so basically he was left with, but you have a job here tomorrow. So I was kind of bullied back into that position, not to be ungrateful, but it was just like, well, well, what else am I going to do? And this so, is in Utah. Yeah. I know so, exactly which company you're talking about. So, 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 so I go, I go there, I'm working there for, I don't know, about two or three months, but because of what the internal sales guys did and they had to let them go for legal reasons, the attorney, the legal, you know, legal counsel was too scared to let us even do our jobs, what we were supposed to do. So we couldn't really make an impact. So I was like, look, this isn't working out. I'm going to leave. My buddy calls me and he's like, dude, you got to get into roofing. Roofing sales is where the money's at. It's like, we're down here in Florida and, you know, um, oh the, hurricane, the hurricane just hit and he's showing me all these commission checks. And I'm like, dude, so I turn to my wife, go to home to my wife and kids. And uh, I say, hey, guys, uh, this isn't working out. I'm going to have to leave you guys. Um, I'm going to go down to Florida. I'm going to go make some really good money and I'll fly home when I can and visit. This is what I got to go do. Right. I got to provide yeah. for a family. So I jump in my truck, drive down to Florida, 
and probably, and I'm crushing it by the way. I mean, I'm, I'm doing homes, roofing, I'm learning it all, just crushing it literally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, these guys at this point right now owe me about $90,000 in commissions. Right. And I'm like, you guys are all going to get the best word to get screwed over. You guys are going to screwed over. This is a, this is probably a shady contractor. It, I give you guys a couple of weeks. So I left there hot. They ended up aligning me with this contractor in Florida, or sorry, in Idaho, because a big storm had just passed through Idaho. And, yeah. uh, and I was just devastated, right? Here I'm another hit, another hit, another hit. And Jeez. so I'm like, I got to do what I got to do. So I jump in my truck. Now I'm off to from Florida all the way back north to Idaho. That and is sure a long enough, haul. Sure enough, though, two weeks later, all those sales guys got screwed out of all. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. in commission. Did you get your 90 grand? No, totally. Total loss. Right. So, here, so here's where it gets crazy. So I, you can imagine with all these hits, I've taken some significant financial hits. Right. So we get to, to, to Idaho. And part of the LDS religion is we pay our tithing, right? We pay a 10% tithing on our earnings. And it's something that I believe in. It's something that I've been faithful to. But because of all these hits, I just hadn't been able to do that. So I'm in Idaho. I'm I'm crushing it. I'm out knocking doors. I'm getting people to, you know, want to use my new contractor. Great guy, by the way. Ended up being a really great scenario. But I was out of money, literally out of money. And I remember I got a loan from my contract for like 10 grand. And I had gone home and, and met with my family. And it was just weighing on me that I had been paying my tithing. And I go back out and I find this really great project that would basically make, make me a ton of money. It would make me into my 90 grand, right? This yeah. one project. Yeah. Well, I think I got the bid and I get a call though from the owner. And I says, hey, we'll just call him John. I said, hey, John, you're ready to move forward. And he goes, I'm sorry, we're going to go with the other contractor. Uh. And I get off that call and I'm, I'm in tears. I'm just in tears. And I don't know what I'm going to do. So I go home and I meet with the bishop and I said, I haven't been paying my tithing. And I have this loan, but I want to pay my tithing. So I pay my tithing. I bring myself current with the Lord and I go back out. I drive and it was like three hour drive. So I drive back up north and... Uh, I hit my knees and I pray to God and I'm just like, Heavenly Father, please help me. Please help me provide for my family. And the next morning I wake up and I'm just this peace comes over me. And he says, I just have this feeling to call John again. So I call John and I say, hey, John, it's Rick. He says, hey, Rick, he actually took my call, which was another miracle. This is the guy that said we're going with another contractor. Right. Yeah. How many sales guys, right? They see the phone number. They just ain't they'll decline. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the fact yeah. that he even took my call was frankly a miracle. And I says, have you already signed with the other company? And he says, no. I said, John, would you at least be willing to come see our work and how good our work is? I've got a project going on over in such a neighborhood. Can we meet there? And he goes, you know what, Rick? Yeah, we'll meet. So I hurry and call the homeowner of the project that's going on. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm coming over. I got this guy. He's coming over. He just wants to see our work. Would you mind? you know, sharing with him how good of a job our guys do. And he's like, absolutely. So we get there. Sure enough, John rolls up in his beautiful Cadillac Escalade with his wife and outruns the homeowner. And he says, man, these guys are just incredible. And then I'm like, yeah, I paid that guy to say that. And everybody laughs. And, and uh, <laughs> right. so we get into some negotiation and some talk and um, we get to the end of the negotiating and he turns to his wife and he goes, well, what do you think? And she goes, well, I like it. And I like him. <laughs> so I run to my truck, grab the contract, <laughs> jump in their Escalade. And he writes me a check for almost $200,000. Wow. And they leave. And I just sat there, tears streaming down my face. Wow. Thinking I brought myself current with the Lord and he's providing the miracle that I'm, that I've been so ever seeking. Right. Wow. From that moment forward it, now, you know, cause I've, this is, we're talking, I've been like spiral downhill. And then for the last four years, it has just been 
back upward. Just wow. Miracle after miracle and, and just, you know, just so many blessings. Dude, holy moly. All, do you attribute that? It sounds like you do. Um, to being in perfect alignment with God's will. You know, I, I, here's the, here's my, my, my thing with this, right? I think that if you're somebody who believes in that and you're somebody who opts into believing in that and someone who's going to commit to those things, then I think there's an absolute direct lineation there. If you're not somebody who believes in that and you're not somebody who has says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to um, align myself with this. I don't yeah. think they're accountable to that standard. I think it's just even like a diet, right? You could pick whatever diet. Yep. And as long as you're 100% committed to that diet, yep. it should work, right? I, I totally agree. You know, because I look at it and go, well, Elon Musk is an LDS and he's the right. richest man in the world, right? I don't know if he pays tithing or not, but, you know, he's doing okay. Um, so, so yeah, I totally agree with what you just said. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's because I've aligned myself with that. Those are the, those are the principles. Those are the things that are going to make, that are going to happen within those parameters, I guess. I totally agree with you. That's, that's so awesome. Wherever you focus your energy, that's where, that's where things are going to flow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. Dude, wow. Did you know I you don't know this. I was do you know who Monotronics International is? I do. I was one of their largest dealers in the entire United States. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's crazy. So I you know the industry well. I know it really, really, really well. You know what I have now? I have a ring system and I love it. It's it's amazing. <laughs> it's ten awesome. bucks a month, dude. Like I love it. So so wow, man. So you um let me ask you this. What, what do you think? And this is about your opinion. Um, the number one answer to this is fear. So you're going to have to do better than that. Um, but I ask every guest this question and that is what do you think holds people back from two things? Number one, real financial success and number two, real freedom happiness. And, and Rick, I think those two things are related because I've been homeless and slept in my car. Um, and I've been wealthy and, and homeless sleeping in the car is not as fun as being wealthy. Right. So that's, you know, those are real. that's a really great question. So I would say the, the two things that kind of pop up in my head, uh, the first would be, I think that people, there's a sense of entitlement. I think people want to get there too fast, too soon. So they're not willing to gain the experience necessary Mm. to to fall into the deserving category where they should be, right? They just want to be there. Um, You know, it's it's like lifting weights. I'm a power lifter as well, right? I've been power lifting for quite some time. I can lift some pretty serious weight. And it would be like somebody coming in off the street that's never lifted weights before and saying, I want to bench 315 pounds. I'm going to throw it on right now and do it. You know, what's going to happen. They throw 115 pounds on there and they bring it off the bar. It's literally just going to fall and they're going to kill. They'll kill themselves. They'll be lucky if they don't kill themselves. Right. And there's this process that has to happen in order to be able to lift that much weight. Right. You have to tear the muscle and you have to eat healthy and you have to sleep and you have to go through this building process. So I think people forget that. I think that people want the end result now without going through the process. So I think if people are willing to go through the process, they'll end up getting that result. And it doesn't have to take forever, but they still need to go through the process and either get a coach or a mentor or somebody that's going to help accelerate that process. And and then the second thing is, uh, is I think people worry too much about what other people think. So Mm. So they, 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 they don't want to put themselves out there, right? I mean, I'm somebody who every day I'm posting on social media. I don't care what people think. I used to. I used to. And yeah. so I think in the combination of they care too much what other people think, and then they, uh, they, they compare themselves. But here's where they, here's where they, they make the mistake. They call it compete. They say, I don't like to compete. 
let me tell you what competition's amazing. Competition yep. is where where it happens, right? That's why people yep. love to watch sports. But, yep. but 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 it's not the competition; it's the comparing. Go compete. Like I love sales. I love competing on the sales floor in a very healthy, you know, in a very healthy, friendly way. But it's when you start to compare. You know, that's where you have so many so many kids today struggling on social media. They struggle with with their peers because they're always on, you know, Instagram and these things. And they, they see this other girl that maybe they feel looks prettier than them or whatever. And so they yeah. start to compare instead of just saying you, but you yourself are absolutely beautiful. Right. So I think if we move this compare, embrace, compete, and then gain the experience, we're going to set ourselves up for some serious success. Dude, that's amazing. That, and so true. Um, Doug, I, he put up a quote from how life is a marathon, not a sprint. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm of the mindset probably because early on in my late teens, I got into sales and I experienced a lot of money at 17. (laughs) Like I made a lot of money and knocking doors. And, um, so now it's like, I, I have this built-in thing. I'm sure you have it. Like, you know that there's always a solution. It just maybe go knock on doors or pick up the phone, make calls, whatever. Um, so, but, but people, I've said this many, many times. I think that every high school kid coming out of school should go knock on doors for a couple of years, selling something, I, whether it's religion whether whatever it is, alarm systems, what whatever it is, they should go out and learn how to effectively communicate with other human beings. One hundred percent, and then decide what you want to do with your life. <laughs> Don't yeah, I mean either that or the military, right? I think you go to the military, yep. you're in serious structure. But I think either that or that, boom, you're going to set yourself up for for being able to 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 set the right path and the right course. Yeah. For your life. Dude, that's so awesome. So real fast, the the last question that I have for you is, um, you know, during the whole two years of a pandemic and all of that stuff, suicide rates skyrocketed globally, like not just here in America, but throughout the world. Um, What, I mean, what would you say to, and, and, you know, you have, you have a lot of experience in, in this too, because of what you, you talked about early on. Um, somebody that's, that's um, barely hanging on, doesn't know. They feel like they've tried everything. Um, I've been there. I'm sure you have, like, I've tried everything. It just isn't working out. What the heck? Um, you know, but somebody that's barely hanging on, what would you say to them to help them, get through to the next moment where you and I know things can change like that. Like, what do you say to somebody that feels like they've given it everything and it's still not working for them? Yeah. Something that I didn't share is when I was in, in the, the depths of despair, you can say, I had those Mm. thoughts too. I had those thoughts too. I thought, Mm. man, I'm worth more, I'm worth more on paper than I am right Mm. now in my bank. So I know that feeling. Yeah. I know what it's like to feel like I'm just not worth much right now. So to the person that that's feeling that way, hold on. Hold on. And wake up every day. Get in the shower. Get dressed. And and if it's just going for a walk in your Putting your sometimes you got to put your best suit on, even if you have nothing lined up. You don't even have an interview lined up. You don't have anything lined up. Put your best suit on, best outfit, whatever it is that makes you feel like a million bucks, and put it on and just go for a walk down the street. And something magical is going to happen. You're just going to feel a light come. And then and you do that again the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And then you make that step towards whatever it is you're facing. If it's the interview, if it's I don't know, maybe talking to your spouse about something that you need to talk to her about, whatever it is, it's going to be okay. That's, that's my answer. It's just going to be okay. Wow. 
Where can everybody follow you, Rick? What's the best place? You know, um, my name is Richard Cromar. I, I go by Rick. You know, you connect with me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me, connect with me on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm fully open to all of those. Dude, you're awesome. Your story is absolutely amazing. I'm 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 grateful to call you a friend now. And absolutely. and hopefully when when we're in um Utah in um Springville with Doug here in, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully we get to meet you face to face. I will look forward to that. Likewise, man. Likewise. Just don't power lift me. <laughs> dude you're awesome man thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story everybody go follow rick on facebook linkedin instagram everywhere look him up and follow him everywhere rick thank you thank you thank you doug thank you ken you're awesome man so we'll see you guys later. Have an awesome day. If you haven't shared this out, go ahead and share it out so the world can hear Rick's story and being be inspired by it. Rick, thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. We'll see you.